0: Welcome to the next edition of Fixed Interest, where we will be discussing sovereign trends in Central America. My name is Shelly Shetty, and I'm a managing director in the America's Sovereign Team. I'm happy to be joined by Carlos Morales, director on our Sovereign Team, who covers several countries in Central America. Now, Central America has been recovering from last year's economic contraction, which was especially severe in Panama. Higher US growth, the rebound in external trade, sustained favorable growth in remittances, and reopening of domestic economies are all supporting growth this year. Yet, public finances remain weak, and countries like Costa Rica are under an IMF program, while there's considerable uncertainty related to El Salvador's ability to get an agreement on an IMF program. Amid these factors, this year Fitch downgraded Panama by one notch to triple B minus, the lowest rung of investment grade. And we still have three of the five sovereigns in Central America on negative outlook, including Panama, Costa Rica, and El Salvador, while we revise the outlook on Nicaragua's rating to stable from negative earlier this year. So Carlos, let's first start with economic performance in the region. How are you seeing the recovery in Central America in the context of the pandemic and the vaccination process? Which country is doing the best and which country is lagging?
1: Thanks, Shelley. We're currently seeing the economic recovery unfolding on all five countries. Monthly indicators are showing double digit growth in most cases, although this relates to the deep economic shock and lockdown measures implemented at the beginning of the pandemic. Going forward, we expect Guatemala and Nicaragua to return to pre-pandemic GDP levels by 2021, followed by Costa Rica in 2022. And lastly, Panama and El Salvador reaching pre-pandemic GDP levels by 2023. Looking at compound growth rates between 2020 to 2023, Guatemala leads the pack with an average growth of 2.4%, while El Salvador and Panama lag behind, with growth rates averaging below 1%. This speaks to El Salvador's limited economic growth potential going forward and Panama's deep economic contraction in 2020. In terms of the vaccination drive, we see a stark difference with Panama, Costa Rica, and El Salvador having administered at least one dose of the vaccine to 60 percent of the population 65 percent in the case of panama while guatemala is only slightly above 20 percent and nicaragua remains below 10 percent disruptions caused by the coronavirus continue to be the main risk to our economic projections given low vaccination rates in guatemala and nicaragua and a recent increase of cases in costa rica
0: Now Carlos, moving to public finances, how is Central America dealing with the dislocations from the pandemic? What near-term and longer-term challenges you see for public finances and public debt in the region?
1: Overall, the pandemic will leave a legacy of higher debt in the region and a weaker fiscal position. Long-term challenges include low tax collection, low appetite for increasing taxes, and continued spending pressures given challenges exposed by the pandemic. That said, The extent of disruption in public finances has varied across countries. We find this highly correlates to our rating outlooks. For example, Guatemala and Nicaragua both on a stable outlook saw a limited impact from the pandemic on their fiscal positions. Debt rose only by 5% of GDP in both countries. We also project a very gradual increase of the debt burden over the coming years and limited fiscal deterioration. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Panama, where debt rose by more than 20% of GDP, El Salvador with a debt increase of 18%, and Costa Rica's debt rising by 10%. All three countries currently carry a negative outlook. Fiscal risks vary somewhat country by country. In Panama, for example, we're looking at medium-term challenges for public finances and the government's capacity to successfully narrow down the fiscal deficit. While the government is relying on high economic recovery we see risks surrounding the fiscal outlook and the government's capacity to increase revenues. Costa Rica's ever rising debt burden and wide fiscal deficits poses debt sustainability concerns. Although recent measures taken by the government in agreement with the IMF have improved the fiscal outlook. These have been reflected in the positive momentum of the local market where yields have declined by 260 basis points over the year. Costa Rica's key fiscal risk is the implementation of the consolidation path set out by the recently approved IMF program, which ambitions a narrowing of six percentage points of GDP of the fiscal deficit by 2025. Finally, El Salvador's key fiscal challenges include a rather high debt burden at 90% of GDP, signaling debt sustainability challenges, and whether the government will have sufficient resources to close the large financing gaps in the years ahead. An IMF deal could improve the fiscal and financing outlook by encouraging fiscal consolidation and crowding in further multilateral funding sources. However, recent political events have diminished the likelihood of reaching such agreement.
0: Now, Carlos, how do you see the IMF's role in the region? Uh, What are the challenges for Costa Rica to comply with the IMF program requirements? Also, how important is an IMF program for El Salvador and what challenges do you see in it was securing the program.
1: The main role of the IMF in the region will be in Costa Rica and possibly El Salvador. Costa Rica's Legislative Assembly approved an extended fund facility program with the IMF for $1.8 billion. The IMF projects a primary surplus exceeding 2% of GDP by 2025. We estimate this would stabilize the debt by 2025, following a decade long of a rising debt burden. Complying with its fiscal rule which caps current spending, strong fiscal performance so far this year, and the recently proposed budget package are all consistent with the IMF estimates and signal the government's commitment to improve the country's fiscal position. The IMF program conditionality will further help as a policy anchor. However, implementation of the program will depend on the next administration as general elections are scheduled for early next year. Also, Costa Rica's gridlock prone political system may hinder fiscal reforms, for example the public wage bill and restrict external funding approvals, which would lower the large government interest bill. In the case of El Salvador, the IMF and the government appear to be agreeing on fiscal and monetary measures needed for a program earlier this year, for example, a 4% fiscal adjustment and raising the reserve requirements. However. IMF measures regarding governance in a potential agreement and El Salvador's decision to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender have lowered the possibility of reaching an agreement. It remains unclear how the government will meet its financing needs in the next three years, absent an IMF program. We estimate financing needs amount to $4.4 billion in 2021, almost 18% of GDP. Assuming the government rolls over the already high short-term debt, we estimate there is a just under $400 million financing gap this year, rising to $700 million next year and reaching $1.5 billion in 2023. Although the government managed to narrow down the financing gaps in 2021 and 2022, short-term debt has rose significantly, increasing rollover risks. We expect that the government will be able to meet this year's financing needs, but financing pressures continue to increase.
0: Now shifting to politics, Carlos, the pandemic has clearly exposed the economic and social fault lines in Latin America. We've already seen political uncertainty increasing in the Andean region, for example. So how are political and governance risks evolving in Central America and how can they affect ratings?
1: We have seen quite a divergence in political risks in Central America. Costa Rica and Panama have both enjoyed relative political stability with only minor protest activities in past years. There were social disturbances in Guatemala last November at the time of the budget approval, but we see this as a one-off with limited risk of evolving into serious protesting or impacting the rating. On the other hand, we have seen a marked deterioration of Nicaragua's political climate that could affect its rating. The government detained opposition leaders in the past month including six presidential hopefuls ahead of the election scheduled for November where it is widely expected that Daniel Ortega will seek a fourth consecutive term. The arrest can affect the rating in three ways, sanctions that limit external financing, deterioration of governance indicators, and large demonstrations as seen in 2018. Having said that, we see limited risks for widespread protest activity because of the forceful measures taken by the government to quell protests three years ago. Finally, in El Salvador, Nayib Bukele's New Idea Party won a supermajority in the Congressional elections earlier this year. This result ended the legislative gridlock hindering policy implementation and capacity to acquire external funding over the past years. However, the election emboldened the President to enact sweeping measures, such as removing five constitutional court justices and the Attorney General withdrawal from the anti-corruption accord from the Organization of American States, and adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender along with the US dollar. Anti-Bitcoin demonstrations have already occurred in mid-September, with protesters also angered by the perceived increased authoritarianism of the president.
0: Finally, Carlos, how do you see the rating outlooks evolving in the region What will be the key factors that you will be focusing on to resolve uh, the outstanding negative outlooks?
1: We currently have three countries on negative outlook, Panama, Costa Rica, and El Salvador. For Panama triple B minus, we're taking a look at measures that will lead to a credible and sustained path consistent with debt stabilization. While economic recovery may provide some fiscal relief in the near term, fiscal pressures will increase absent a strong push from the government to increase tax collection. In the case of Costa Rica at Single B, the decade-long fiscal deterioration could be reaching an inflection point following a stronger than expected fiscal outturn this year, approval of the IMF's extended fund facility, and consolidation measures contained in the latest budget package. This improves the potential of stabilizing the rating outlook. That said, we will be focusing on possible political gridlock, which risks stalling fiscal measures of the IMF program and could also affect external financing approvals. Finally, in the case of El Salvador at B- we're focused on the government's ability to meet its financing gap needs in the coming years. We continue to monitor if the IMF program will come true, even though the possibility of it has clearly diminished. The government intends to propose a pension reform in the coming months and we will be seeing to what extent that helps reduce funding needs and helps with consolidation of debt. But in the absence of an IMF deal and other multilateral sources of funding, the financing constraints may become more binding, especially in the context of the January 2023 bond maturity, increasing downward rating pressures.
0: Thanks a lot, Carlos, for your insights. Uh, Thank you for listening and for more on Central America. You can access our research on our website, FitchRatings.com. Hope you join us for our next edition of Fixed Interest. Thank you.